0: This is the Beyond Belief Sobriety Podcast, where we examine topics of interest to people who seek a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Uh, Barb, how you doing?
1: I am good. How are
0: you, John? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I am off work tomorrow, and I have a cup of coffee here, and I'm talking to a friend in recovery. So, what more could I ask for?
1: So. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, why don't we start um, with your story, if you don't mind? And you know what we'll do is you you share your story. Um, I might um, heckle you throughout and pepper you with some questions, or sure, throw my own experience out there at you. And before you know it, we'll just be talking.
1: That sounds good. Well, my story started, it seems like a long time ago now as I'm getting older. I got it. I know. <laughs> I was, yeah. <laughs> um, I was, um, I grew up in the Midwest, a small conservative Catholic um home. I was adopted. So my parents wanted me, had all the financial resources, emotional, mental, spiritual. Um, you know, I had it all growing up, a uh, close-knit, extended family. And, you know, so looking back, I can't say there was really any big trauma that would have caused me to want to escape. And I don't think life was really bad, but um, I went to the Catholic school, and when I went to high school, I decided I wasn't going to be the goody two-shoes little Catholic schoolgirl, and I, so I changed that. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i um kind of started you know found the baddest boy in high school to be my boyfriend, and we went out drinking and um you know I did pretty well though i I had good grades and and participated in a lot of you know extracurricular activities. It was a little different time then for the younger people watching, you know our drinking wasn't really. If you didn't get in trouble, nobody really said anything. Your parents kind of knew what you were doing, and and it was, you know, okay.
0: It really was. I remember my and, parents were like, just don't do drugs, but you can drink all you want.
1: Right. That was, yeah, that was kind of the, um, and our my family, you know, my parents used alcohol um, responsibly. That was part of um, all of their social gatherings. That was part of all of our family gatherings. Um, not that I didn't ever see anybody have a little bit too much, but they were responsible adults about it. And we were included in a lot of that. You know, Sunday afternoon, the little beer joint down the road had a band, and and you would go and get your Shirley Taffles. And, you know, life was really good. And when I started drinking, I don't have that big one-time-I-started-drinking-aha moment. It just seemed like it was just part of what we did. Um, and, you know, there would be occasions that I would find that I could drink the most or did drink the most. Um, I was always a lot of fun, so people always liked me to be around and, and be um, drinking. But you're exactly right about the drugs. You know, I was um, very against um drugs. And if you were my friend in high school and you were doing drugs, I would buy a 12-pack of beer and we go driving around on a Friday night and I would counsel you not to do drugs, you know? So who's got the problem, right? Right. Um, So I went to college. Well, I had a baby in high school and I think that was a, you know, it was a big turning point for me. I gave her up for adoption and, and, you know, that was that first time I remember really like I don't fit in the world you know, I had this child and I'm going back to my senior year and and I I just was completely, you know, out of sorts with that. And it was I was praised for being a great thing to do and but the attitude was, you know, there we didn't talk about it a lot. There wasn't, you know, an offer of any kind of counseling after the initial counseling to place her for adoption. Um, it was kind of like, well, you know that's over with now get on with your life um so I think that kind of started you know some of the things churning inside of me and went off to college and broke up with a boyfriend and um, you know ended up drinking my way really out of college when I could have gone and my parents would have could have and would have paid for me to go anywhere and I had the intelligence to do that you know i whatever tests you take I was could have been accepted anywhere, you know. So my life was really, it was almost like a golden road paved in front of me, but I couldn't see that. I couldn't just, for some reason, couldn't do that. Um, So I ended up getting back with um, the boyfriend and getting married um, and having three kids. And I did not drink a lot during that time. I was, uh, you know, the good mom and, and But I was just going crazy. I was absolutely just, you know, insane. And and there was some issues there. I mean, objectively looking back, there was some things that were wrong about us being together. Um, my in-laws were probably as close to evil to me as, as I've ever experienced in my life. And, you know, so I have three little kids and I decide with a, I think I made like $5 an hour, which was maybe a lot, you know, it wasn't very much even then, but I decided, Oh, I'll be a single mom and I'll get rid of him and that will solve all my problems. And, you know, the day he left, I uh, bought a case of beer and sat proudly on my front steps with the neighbor and drank it, you know, and, and that's, you know, I remember my first sponsor telling me people get divorced every day and that's not why, you know, that's not why we drink. And, um, I was single for a couple years and found someone else that um, loved to drink like I love to drink. You know, we had a lot of fun um, until we didn't, you know, it was fun. And then there was some problems and then there, everything that was, it was just a mess. We had a child. Um, So my older kids kind of grew up the first half of their life with pretty stable mom. And my youngest son, um, who was nine, when I um, came into recovery, you know, his first years where he spent a lot of time sitting in a bar with us, and I, I had a terrible time talking about that for a long time, was really shameful um, about that. And, um, but, you know, I got, it, I got into AA, I called my mom as I think a lot of good alcoholics do when they're down and out and the chips are down. And my dad had just had a stroke and was in a nursing home. It was a terrible time for all of us. And I just couldn't do it anymore. I just could not. And interestingly, I stopped going to the bar because I I didn't want to sit in the bar with my son anymore. So, um, you know, then the fighting became who has the problem because my Now, ex-husband felt that if you drank at home, you had a problem. And, of course, I thought if you sat in a bar, you had a problem. And, you know, he's not changed that behavior. And whether to this day I used to think a lot about that if he was or wasn't an alcoholic. But, um, you know, overall, he's been a pretty good dad. and, And so I went into AA with the idea that I would become like the president of AA and save my marriage to someone who loved to sit in a bar and drink, you know. So it was just my thinking was just crazy. Um, So I called the friend who I had grown up with, um, knew that he was a longtime member of AA. And, you know, I I think this always really brings me to the attraction, not promotion of... um, Alcoholics Anonymous because I knew nothing about what he did in AA but I knew he had a good life and I knew he was a good guy and I knew I didn't see him when I was sitting drinking at the bar um, his kids and my kids played together his mom and my mom were great friends you know so I, I knew that he was a really genuine good guy and um, he did what he should have done gave me the number two uh, gal in AA that Men work with men, women work with women was, you know, the thinking. And that probably was a good idea at that time for me with a vulnerable and a falling apart marriage. And so, you know, I wasn't even 24 hours sober when I walked into my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I remember talking to the gal that became my first sponsor that night. Excuse me. And she said, just don't drink until we go to the meeting tomorrow. And I was a beer drinker. And um, my husband had a bottle of Crown Royal and I took two big swigs of that Crown Royal. And, you know, I know we can't predict that it's ever our last drink, but I, you know, it wasn't even really out of rebellion. It was just this. uh, This is the way I hated that. I hated hard booze. Not that I didn't drink it, but I just thought I'm going to remember this yuck forever and not do it again. So that's how I got there and um, got really involved really fast, you know. In AA and and I like to look good and I like to be a quick study. So I, um, you know, read that book upside down backwards. I could quote things and and uh, wanted to be that person that looked good and was the smartest one there. And and you know, I thought I probably could run the place. And uh, until I learned that there's really nobody in charge of AA. <laughs> so um, And it was, um, you know, it was traditional AA. And I was, um, you know, I felt through my story, really, starting with um, being an unwed mother in high school, that I had flunked out of the Catholic Church. Um, I had, you know, periods of time when the Kids were little, we went regularly. The kids went to the Catholic school, and I always just kind of struggled with that doctrine and dogma, but you know was really firmly planted in a belief in god and
0: so you you had a belief in God, but you felt that you your the religion you grew up in pretty much cast you aside because of your pregnancy when you're in high school
1: yeah, right, yes, you know I remember. Um, going to confession, because that's what you were supposed to do, and, you know, the priest, and, of course, he was probably younger than I am now, but it seemed like a middle-aged, old, celibate man asking me if I had sexual sins that I wanted to confess, and, and, you know, but I kept brushing it all aside, and I kept, you know, thinking that this really was the right way to go and to be, and, and, you know, I've struggled with that for a long, long time, but, you know, what happened when I got into AA is it became my religion. It really, you know, it was a place that I prayed with people. It was a place where people helped me to be a better person. Right. Um,
0: we even have our own little liturgy, don't we? We have our book and and our own little language. and. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, yep. Kind of like the secret handshake and everything, so... Um, so I just ate that up, you know. I was the Catholic Church is filled with rituals and doctrine and dogma and rights and wrongs, and so you know I just slid right into that in AA and and um, you know for a couple years it was it was I needed that involvement, you know I needed that probably level inv- of involvement. Um, but then you know I started. Getting burned out, three, four, five. You know, by five years, it was. I was on every committee. I was the head of everything. Oh, I, was, you, got in I that pretty, <laughs> you got started pretty You got started that
0: pretty early then. On all yeah, that service work. Oh wow, I didn't do that till right. much much later. Wow. Yeah,
1: I was in the area, and um, you know, just constantly. Um, did I you was enjoy it while
0: of, you did it? Did you enjoy it?
1: Sometimes. I mean, sometimes I did, I, I made some good friends that some of which, you know, I still enjoy seeing, right. um, but yeah, there was, there was always, it was what I thought I had to do, right. you know, it was really just, um, and I sponsored a lot of women. I, um, then I got a different sponsor. I've had a couple of different sponsors, um. So then my second sponsor was, you know, pretty easy going, like, you know, one meeting a week and do a little bit here and a little bit there. And, you know, it didn't take me long to think that she was, I mean, she wanted to talk about other stuff. She didn't want to dissect the big book and (laughs) talk about all this spiritual stuff. You know, she wanted to talk about her dog and her husband. And I just thought no meeting there, you know, I got to get, I, this is not the way this is supposed to work. And so, I found another sponsor and um, she, you know, sets the bar of AA service work just above and beyond, especially with sponsoring women. And and so that's what she really encouraged me to do. And so I started and, you know, I don't know in AA around here, it seems like there's always enough men to go around as sponsors, but women are in short supply. So, you know, pretty soon I have double digit sponsees and I'm having them at my house once a week and, we're going through the book and we're having retreats and they, you know, it was just, um, and then I got back into church a little bit and started teaching a confirmation class. And, you know, for all the wrong reasons, I, I wanted them to know that God was loving and kind and accepting and not what they were learning. And, but I couldn't, you know, it was just, yeah, it was, I did it for four years. You know, I absolutely love those girls. And, and um, you know, by the end, I was just fighting my time. I was not buying much of the church's teachings, you know. But, again, I, I still had a very strong belief um, in a God, you know, and the God that AA, the personal um, God And, but, you know, throughout that time, I have always, was always fascinated with the Buddhist path and, um, and, you know, kind of use that as an adjunct to learn how to do some meditating and, and, um, that kind of Zen feeling. And I got into a little woo kind of stuff, healing and that. So I was all over the place, um, so then I guess what happens is we get a global pandemic, you know, <laughs> and now um, I can't go to meetings and we had moved. And so we hadn't gone to as many meetings. My, I met my husband in AA and um, so we're both in the program. And so just distance and, and that. So it was kind of like turning a little bit as to how much of this, do I really need to do and I dropped a lot of those things and you know missed two group conscience in a row and and um, and it was just okay and you know then the pandemic hits and we I'm wiggling this table and I, <laughs> and I um and we don't have meetings and so we start a Zoom meeting and everyone is angry and I, it just was just such an eye opening, and they wanted to have meetings, and nobody wanted to wear masks, and oh, it was yeah, and um, and I worked, I, I work as a nurse, so I had plenty of work and more to do during that time, but I had nothing else to do, you know, absolutely nothing, and so um, I spent a lot of time meditating. And, you know, and, and I'm meditating really to kind of find something, to find a message. And and um, I started studying the science of COVID as we, you know, as I needed to do and, and really started to look into that and then got interested again and. In, um you know, years ago, when I heard about quantum physics, I always thought that was going to prove some collective consciousness and that science and God were going to finally come together. And, and I kind of found the opposite of that, you know. I was starting, when I really started, you know, getting into it. And and I can't say it was completely by accident, but um, it wasn't really where I thought I was heading, you know, not at all. Um And isn't science interesting
0: though, because I, I had kind of a similar experience, um, I was never I never grew up in a religion or anything, but I, I had a point where I, I evolved to where I realized I was an atheist. And a lot of what got me over there was science. I for me I was really in, interested in astronomy and, and and learning about the universe and how it all started. And the story that science tells about the creation of the universe was way more interesting and plausible than anything that I'd ever heard in any religion, you know? And it just, and it made me actually feel better, you know, about, about my place in the universe as a human being, knowing that I'm part of it. And, and I, and, and it still interests me. I'm, I'm never going to understand this stuff completely, but I, but I love it. And, 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 and it brings me, it kind of, if I ever want to kind of calm myself down, I'll watch a a video on YouTube about the universe or something or quantum mechanics, something I don't understand, but would love to know about. So. Yeah.
1: Those could be my words. Exactly. And um, yeah, and there was a, it it was a book I started reading um, about, you know, the cosmology and the universe expanding and I couldn't get the concept of entropy. So I kept studying and reading and and listening to podcasts. And in that book, there was a, a chapter about how our brains are wired and, and faith and belief and, and, um, you know, the, the author of the book was not promoting that as a good thing, you know? So that was the first time I kind of saw him black and white. Like, do you remember the book, this, the name of the book? It was Brian Greene's the end of time. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. And he did a documentary about that too, didn't he? I think.
1: Yeah. I've listened to a lot of his, his things and mm-hmm, very good. Extremely brilliant. I mean, I, the book, I think, The End of Time, is meant for like the layperson, and I, my daughter, and I read it together as like a study. And yeah, we, I just still, and isn't it amazing where you, I get to that point of thinking I know everything and wanting to run the world, to knowing I'm just a a little speck on the pale blue dot, and that's okay, and I don't know hardly anything.
0: So, did you ever have a point where you kind of where you're cause you had this belief that okay I, I'm not I'm not necessarily buying into the religion that I grew up in with the Catholic Church. I but I still have this fundamental idea that there's a God. Then you go down this path of studying science and did you get to a point where you had a conflict that that you had to resolve with the God of AA and and where you were heading now?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. So um I don't quite remember when Ash Wednesday was last spring, but I I worked in a religious facility. And so we have a pastor and he brought around communion and ashes and I took them and I went in the bathroom after that and wiped the ashes off. And I thought I have no business doing this. I don't believe this. You know, I don't, I, and, um, and so that was probably one of my first aha moments. And then, um, Coincidentally, a few weeks later, one of we had some temporary employees through COVID that um, did some different things for us, and I was talking to this gal a little bit here and there. I really enjoyed her, and all of a sudden one day she said to me, "You know, I'm an atheist," and that was like it. Like I wanted to like spend three days with her talking about what that was and how she got there, and. And, and what ha- had happened and, you know, and then in here is, um, not going to AA meetings. I think they were open to um, the public by then, or we were back open, but, you know, working, I work in a nursing home, so I was just extremely careful in my personal life and, and, you know, I, and then I got vaccinated, then I still didn't want to go out, you know, I kept telling everybody, I said, when I'm vaccinated, we can have coffee, we can do this, and then I, uh, and that was all around the same time, and, you know, I went a little, well, if you'd ask my husband, I went a lot crazy, I mean, I, this stuff was just boiling inside of me, I had this gal to talk to, um, another friend, who is a non-believer to talk to, but I just didn't feel like I could really tell anybody exactly how it was I felt. Um, And so as it sometimes is, I mean, I started going crazy over things that were happening in our personal life and finally went to a doctor. I just could not, um, I had a little, I probably did have a sinus infection, but I mean, I, I went and, you know, she walked in the room and I just started crying and I just blurted out. I don't think I even believe in God anymore. And she was like, you know, a church religious person as most people are in our area. And she's like, Oh my, this is like oh no, <laughs> very, very serious. And, so, and um, So I got an antibiotic and an antidepressant. I remember the pharmacist saying, this is really a strange combination. (laughs) And, um, and that was a huge step for me. You know, I had during, during my drinking, I had taken an antidepressant and I knew being a nurse that you shouldn't probably drink and take those and take that medication. So I chose drinking and quit taking it, you know, so I struggled with that for, for a long time. And, and, so I got on the antidepressant and then I was gonna start some counseling. And <laughs> lo and behold, the second session, she recommends a book. I buy the book and the first third line of the book is to help you become the person God meant you to be. <laughs> and so there I am again, you know. And through this time now, I'm you know, I'm listening to the militant atheist, you know, and I am just feeling like When I put these earbuds in tonight, I thought I've spent a lot of time with these earbuds (laughs) listening to podcasts and reading books, you know, and Dawkins and Hitchens and oh my gosh, when they would, you know, and and I don't want to be that way. And I know they always, you know, to not say anything. About anyone, but you know, sometimes they
0: really get down and. Uh, oh, I used to love it when I was first getting involved in all of that. I would watch. I I, I love YouTube, and so I would watch all these uh, debates that they would have. So you know, like uh, they would debate some priest somewhere. You know, it was just I love. I loved it. You know, I ate it all up. But uh, that was a period of time when I was still learning about myself and how I felt, and. I don't know. It was kind of scary for me to go there to go into atheism. I kind of went there kind of gradually. Um, even though I never I never had a religious, a religious thing other than AA. But AA was definitely my religion. And that was, I think I know, Barb, that's is that's what was bothering me because when I find when I finally came to the point, to the conclusion that I am an atheist, my first fear was that I was not going to be accepted in AA. And it turned out my home group didn't accept my atheism. they didn't, and that was uh that was a tough that was a tough thing to go through, but it turned out okay on the other end, but yeah, not to say that that was true with everybody, but as a whole right no, they didn't,
1: yeah, and that's um you know not something that I've faced up to yet i I don't know if anyone. And our um, very few people, you know, know that I'm in this, you know, and I, and I had such a hard time even saying the word atheist and it still bothers me a little I bit. Know,
0: I hated to have it connected with me I, for some reason, because you kind of grow up in, in this country with this idea that atheists are bad, right? That's just the kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Immoral, yeah, evil, communists. you know. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, and so in fact, when I, I, I finally did, um, and you know, this has probably been less than six months ago, I told my husband, because I started looking for, um, and this is just crazy, I, in my mind, did not think that there would be anything like secular AA, I drank the Kool-Aid, I, you know, if you don't find God, you don't get sober, and you don't stay sober, Um and it just, you know, for as intelligent as I think I am, I, I just never thought that there were people that did not believe in AA. And and so just online, you know, I just started to, and I'm a YouTube person too. I just listen to, love to listen to lots of podcasts. And and so I came across, uh, I believe his name is also John S. And he, he told his story. And, um, then through that, I think I found, um, your podcast and then, you know, I found secular meetings and I've, I've gone to a few of them online. Um, but right now I haven't probably for a couple months, you know, besides listening to podcasts, um, been part, part of an actual group and, you know, I kind of, kind of struggle with that. My sponsor um, I did tell her, and you know, I could I could get out the word secular. That seemed to be a little less noxious. To the, and um, so I I told her that I was having a bit of a struggle, and I was looking at secular meetings online, and and we had a bit of a conversation about it, which she reminded me of me talking to. Um, new sponsees, you know, and AA, and it's like, it, like you really do believe in God, you just don't know it, you know? And I, I realized how condescending that that feels. And so she, you know, and it's the universe, or it can be the universe for you, or it can be this, or it can be that, you know, it just isn't, It like, this really isn't, shouldn't be a problem for you.
0: They can't use their imagination that, you know what, you actually don't even need a higher power at all.
1: and um, then I went to a woman's retreat and I had uh, a gal that I know that um, well and the whole thing why I thought I should go when I was in this you know state because the person that puts it on is a minister so it's very you know very god-filled um, retreat, but I had one friend there that I knew was a Buddhist, and a Buddhist doesn't have a god. You know, there isn't an all-powerful being, and and you know, so I'm trying to talk to her, and, and she's like a Buddhist with a god that prays, and I'm just like, I, like I, I just, you know, I could not, could not put this together. But you know, it gets better as time goes on, like you said, and I certainly am nowhere near. You know, probably through this process, and maybe never will be. Um, but it it's a little bit more comfortable now. And you know, I I those those things that you were, I guess, indoctrinated isn't too strong of a word to use. Um, you know, as I was getting ready, getting the computer and everything set up, I you know, I've done a, some speaking in AA, and you know, it was always the I always thought there was three three P's, but I don't know. It was pee and pray, you know, and, and whatever comes out of your mouth doesn't matter. God will do the talking and you're just, the uh, and yeah, so this is the first time I spoke that I didn't say a prayer, you know, but I still calmed myself and sat for a few minutes and reflected on gratitude for my sobriety and, the life that I have today, and you know, it didn't. I didn't need a higher power to help me do that or to to share that with. Um, so yeah, it's uh it's definitely a crazy journey, and and uh, you know, as far as finding a spot in in AA, I, I haven't. Um, and then you know, I I kind of mellowed on that, but I've gone through a you know, kind of real. Re- rebellious feelings against the indoctrination of AA and, and how wrong that all is. And, you know, even some secular meetings that I went to, I thought were a little too dogmatic and you have to work the steps and like there's the same old guy there growling about that, that there is in the traditional meetings. And so, you know, I just, and, and I, and, you know, I still have that little bit of fear that, you know, I either, I, I don't, and even when I was in traditional AA, I didn't have as much fear as maybe I was told I should have, or, you know, I just, I don't think I'm going to drink again, but I was worried about going crazy, you know, jails, institutions are death, And, you know, I thought mine would be the loony van. I thought if I, if I didn't drink and didn't have this perfect program in AA that I would just go batshit crazy. And, um, you know, that has kind of happened, but not, not in the way that, um, you know, not in the way that I was told.
0: Um, so where are you right learning. now with your thinking, um, about those steps? So you, cause you started off studying that book, you know, reading the book with other people, taking other people through it. Um, so how do you feel about those now?
1: I, you know, I think I have come to the conclusion that it's the principles of the steps. And and I, you know, I think that there's, and not just loyalty and honesty, and but, you know, a good life principle is to inventory um, where you're going in life and what you did today. You know, and I, so I, I think that putting, some of those principles into practice is, or all of them leads, you know, to a good life. And when my mind is clear of alcohol and some of that crazy thinking, um, then I'm able to do that. You know, I'm able to put those principles into practice. and And I feel a lot better not believing about myself, you know, I feel the best I've ever felt about, you know, what do you want, do I like myself, self-love, whatever, you know, term, but, you know, I feel just okay, and I, yeah, and I, and that's just been the most, if you will, miraculous (laughs) feeling, um, you know, just to, to know that I have faults, to know that I have shortcomings, um, but I also do a lot of good things in a day, and and I still reach out and help people. And, you know, I don't do it through AA, but certainly in my close friends and most of my coworkers, you know, know that I'm a recovered alcoholic, and there sometimes are questions that are asked to me, or I'm asked to talk to people. Um, I have no idea what I would do if someone asked me to sponsor them at this point, you know. That's the that's the thing is that I, I just, I don't really know because I had such a rigid structure of how I went through
0: that. Oh God, same here. I did it the way my people sponsored me and you take them through the book. Um, the The group that I went to, you would read one chapter. You'd read it every single day for 30 days is what they would have me do and if i missed a day i was supposed to start all over again it was so stupid so it got it, it got it got me to the point where i'd have to lie that oh no i read it i read it i read it <laughs> you know cuz at the beginning i was really honest about it i could never get through the damn thing so um, yeah that was what, what we had to do and then we had to underline it highlight it talk about it try to relate our stories to it it was all about that book and knowing the book it just I tell you, for me, it took a long time to grow out of that. And I found it interesting when you were talking about where you're at today. You know, you're not really, you're not going to meetings. You really haven't found your place in AA, I think is how you put it. Is that what, yeah, I think, um, I think I'm there too, actually right now. And I'm coming to this idea that I don't have to be a member of AA. I can just go to AA meetings if I want to. And that's kind of a nice freedom. I don't have to belong to it. I can just go to a meeting once in a while if I choose to. And that's what I kind of do now. And um, I, I said that for the first time at a meeting where I was speaking. I need to listen to that recording sometime. They recorded it. And s- people um, just didn't quite understand that. This was These were secular people that – that that whole that idea is kind of troubling i think to some people and it would have been troubling to me i guess because AA was so important and i don't know it's weird barb because it's been most of my life i've been involved in it so i'm not going to say that i'm not going to continue on i mean most of the people i know are in AA and everything but I, i i guess it's not the center of the center cornerstone of my the cornerstone of my recovery because i know there are other things i can do too and other things that i do do you know and yeah, I just throw that out there.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, that's kind of funny. I, I kind of had that thought too because you get this all or none thinking, and you know, I, at one point I actually wondered if the appropriate thing to do would be to like go to a group conscience and resign. You know, I seriously like, and I, like I said, I had no one at that point to really talk to. It, I about it, and I just thought. You know, is is that the right thing to do? And that, you know, and I was always so, I think that's feeling better about myself as getting over that, you know, laying awake at night, saying your prayers. What is God's will for me? What is the next right thing to do? You know, what is the, If you're in a conflicting situation and you need to be here and need to be there. And, you know, do I go to my mother's? Do I go to the AA meeting? Do I keep the grand, you know, just go crazy over that and, and usually AA won out and my youngest son and my mother, I you know, I have um they were probably the most shortchanged by my over involvement um in AA. Yeah, and and they each around the same time, which was probably oh, I want to say five years ago when my my son was um, 16 in high school and kind of struggling a little bit. And we had a, his dad and I and sat down with him and had a talk, you know, and that was one of the things he talked about is how I, you know, he's like, if that's what you got to do, mom, that's what you got to do. But, you know, and so I, it's just kind of ironic because you feel like you're kind of in the cycle of, you know, I'm making amends because I, wasn't present and I was drinking and now I'm making these living amends because I wasn't present because I was in AA. Um, And so, yeah, the things that, and, you know, and I was, um, my husband, you know, is, is good with just going to a meeting or two a week and, and just kind of leaving it at that now, but, and probably it would have been for a long time, but I was always the one. And, and, you know, people, we're not happy, some people, when we got together in AA, you know, the AA couple. And, and um, you know, I'm just kind of that bullheaded, like I will show them. You know, someone comment to me, oh, pretty soon you'll be home on the couch together, not in AA where you're supposed to be. And so I just, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to change a dang thing. And he's just going to have to come along for the ride. And, and we struggled, you know, with with that and, and other things because of, you know, being in recovery, both of us. But yeah, we've got a, we've been together um, 10 years and yeah, we've, we've built a really great life together. And, and, you know, I, I, I just, this has bothered me for, you know, even before the deconversion was really apparent, but you know, we have all the, everything that we have because of God. <laughs> and then if anything bad happens, it's because of us and our, you know, defective, I guess, you know, the character defects, I guess the the program doesn't use the word sinful as much as religion did. But, you know, at some point I'm like, I've worked damn hard to get to where I'm at, you know, in AA and my job and my, and relationships. <laughs> I'm like, Am I just being a selfish person saying, "I don't want God to have all this credit, you know? And so that you know, and I yeah, I felt that that was was such a selfish thought to have because all the glory goes to God, right. you know and yeah, and um,
0: yeah, that my at my old home group uh, that I was raised in, basically, um, <clears throat> the concept of humility was so super important. And I mean, I'm not saying that there's not that there's something wrong with humility, that there's a place for it in our lives. And, you know, but it it was stressed a little too much, almost to my detriment, because um, as I was getting better, I was achieving things and I was feeling proud about the things I was achieving. And I wanted to talk about it. And I I felt like I couldn't I like being proud of something that I did was wrong. And telling someone about it was bragging, you know, and, um, and I'm, I'm still, I still kind of struggle with that because this was a, this was a 25 year experience I had with humility being drilled into me. I didn't grow up with people telling me I needed to be humble. I think I was already kind of beaten down in the ground anyway, but in AA, that humility thing was just pushed in me a little bit too much. I think to where, yeah, it's it's a problem. But anyway, enough of that. Um
1: <laughs> we, yeah. did. Well, we re- there's
0: a there's a recovery period from that. There's <laughs> yeah. a recovery period yeah. from all that dogmatic stuff that we that we had to deal with. Yeah.
1: And I think yeah, that's I remember being at a meeting one night and they talked about gratitude and and um you know it was people and a program and just on and and I had some things in my life, you know, material things that, and some trips I'd gotten to take. And, and I, you know, I talked about that, that I was, that sometimes the, what we get are things. And those things enhance our, you know, trip with my mother. um, And it was just dead silence. Like, you just got that feeling that that was, and no, and as I thought about it later, no other person mentioned my new home or having a nice vehicle. And you felt good about it. You probably
0: felt good about it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I know it's something else. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I relate.
1: Yeah. But I, yeah, I think that, you know, I probably am in that deprogramming stage of, of a lot of that and it, it does, um, you know, creep back in, but once I finally let go of that belief in some judging higher entity that grants and withholds at their discretion what I do and what I don't do, um, you know, I found a lot, I've, I've been confused and struggling, but in such a different way, because, you know, I have a a peace and contentment and, and that I think, like you said, you know, knowing what your place is and all of this nature and stars and things that I've loved forever. Um, it just, I just, yeah, the awe and the wonder is greater than it ever was. Um, when I was religious or, or believing and my, um, you know, zest for life and putting meaning into my own life and finding my own purpose in life, Um, knowing that this is probably the only shot that we have, that there isn't a, you know, eternal, something that we're working for beyond this. You know, if this is it, then it's got to be good. You know, we got to, I got to make it good. That's my feeling that every day is, is, uh, a day that I can, if, if I'm going to have any kind of, of memory or, or eternal life, so to speak, it's going to be in, and maybe the good things that I've done for other people, you know?
0: Yeah. That's a nice way to think about it. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us. I relate to a lot of it. It sounds like you're in a good place right now, uh, coming to peace with where you at, you're at in your own recovery, you know, um, I, I think it's fantastic what you're doing for yourself, Barb, and I look forward to hearing from you as we as you go on to, to see how you evolve, because um, it's, it's, it's really interesting, you know, when you start looking back, it's like, wow, I used to say and believe that, and now look
1: at, you know, it's kind of wild, mm-hmm. so. And it, it helps me not to be too, you know, out there, because what I believe today might change again in, in you know, many years, so it's, it's helped me to it, that's maybe ability or, or just not, you know, being on a soapbox and getting everybody on the bandwagon. <laughs> so, and I want to thank you because you're, you know, finding your podcast was just a huge um, comfort for me and to hear and know that there's people out there that think and are going through what I'm going through was, you know, saved my my sanity a lot of a lot of nights with my earbuds and listening
0: that's another episode of beyond belief sobriety thank you for listening